is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Patrick O'Neill, and we talk about his life path, being prepared, communication, school of rock, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Patrick O'Neill. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Patrick O'Neill. Patrick, thank you for joining me today. Hi Clay, it's good to see you. This it's good to see you too. It this is this is a this conversation is a long time coming. I have <laughs> many many numerous questions for you about your career and what keeps you moving forward. Before we get to those, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were sure. your entertainment dreams growing up? Oh my gosh. Well, I talk about this to anybody who would listen. Um, I didn't know what this business was. I didn't know anything about it. And I discovered uh, the cast recording of Cats in a a bag of cassette tapes on a road trip. And I thought it was a band. And somebody's mother had to like explain it to me after school one day that no, it's a it's a Broadway show. And so um, that changed the trajectory of my whole life. Because all of a sudden, when I was like playing basketball you know in like a cafetorium in (laughs) new england i was like oh my god that's like a stage and there's curtains and there's stuff that happens up there that's like not normal and like that i was fascinated and so we my parents took me to see the show when it toured through in boston we're talking like a very long time ago and um uh they bought the last row of the orchestra and I stood on my seat the entire time. I was just completely engrossed. So that was really the beginning. Um, uh, I, I didn't know it was a thing until I n- knew it was a thing. Was there a defining moment for you deciding, oh, yes, this is what I will be doing? Um, it's That's such a great question. I, I, um, I think for a lot of us, um, it's a hobby until there's like a lightning bolt that strikes. Mm. And I remember it being a hobby all through high school. And then towards the end of my time in high school, um, I I came to the city and I participated in, in what really boiled down to probably like a, a, a summer camp, but they talked about it as if it was more important than that. Mm. And, um, and uh, I had a teacher in that camp here who was an actor and a choreographer who, um, one day at the end of the day pulled me aside and was like, you know, you really should think about pursuing this. And that was after my junior year of high school. And so um, it was kind of full guns blazing after that for that last year going, well, let's try because if, if we don't try now to go for a program that would train me in this, then, you know, I don't know how I would make that leap any other way if I waited too long. So I, I dove in head first. What did your parents teach you about work ethic? Um, my mother's a teacher. She was a teacher. Uh, she retired uh, when I was in high school, I guess. And um, so she was always... Uh, she was always the rock and the stability in the family she had the job she had the insurance she had (laughs) she had um she showed up um and my dad um that's that's the painting a very very crazy picture of my father which if he listens to this he's gonna like not appreciate that setup but what i say about my father publicly and behind closed doors is, is that he understands what we do better than anyone um he had a a professional life that was littered with strange employment he was a banker uh, like a teller in a bank he sold used cars he did a, a lot of things and then right when i was kind of 
about to be brought into the world, he and two of his friends got together and started a company that manufactured fire engines and sold fire engines. And, um, and it was not going well for a long time. And um, eventually, through his hard work, it, it ended up sticking. And um, there's a great story about a conversation with um, someone on an airplane that kind of ended up saving the company, which is so indicative of the life that we live, where <laughs> like anything can happen on a Tuesday that changes the course of your life. So he gets, I think, in a way that I don't even know if he can accurately communicate the concept of risk and um, and chance and following your gut um, in a way that our business intrinsically teaches us to. Witnessing that growing up, looking back on this now, I mean, might not have been conscious then, but witnessing it growing up, did it set you up for a, a bit of a larger comfort zone than most in terms of risk and uncertainty? I think so. And I don't know if I, I you know, it's funny is now, of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I think now, um, analyzing it that way you couldn't be more right but i think as i was just experiencing it it's just something that you you go oh well, yeah this is just how this is how everybody does it like this is what everybody's you know well it's it's how i feel now about um uh you know we all have friends who have kids and when the, the kids are growing up in families of show folk i go what must that be like? Like our lives are so colorful and so full of travel and so full of laughter and experiences that are 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 what make us who we are, what our community is who I can't imagine growing up like that. Like what a vibrant, colorful life. But yeah. I guess when you're living it, you know, as a kid, you don't really think any it's all you know. It's all right. you know. Right, yeah. What did your parents teach you about kindness? Um I guess ev everything. Um, my my parents are real people. People they love having people around. My and my mother's parents particularly were people. People. So they um, there were constantly people coming and going in our house. There were constantly events being celebrated. There was constant uh, parties and 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 they just loved having the people they loved close by. And so um, I, I think what they taught me too, uh, kindness is, is such a is such an interesting word. I mean, they, they're very kind people and they taught me to be kind, but I think more than kind, they taught me to be um, generous. And I, I think I witnessed them in terms of it, their attention with, of course, my brother and I in life having, you know, great parents, but mm -hmm. also, um, what the importance of doing what you say you're going to do and yeah. showing up when it's important. Um, and I think those are the examples really that they instilled in my brother and I, um, uh, again, through example, not necessarily by sitting us down every day and going, you know, it's important that you, right. But, uh, they were, they're just good folks. You know, it's so interesting too, because you, 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 you hear it a lot, you know, like, uh, your one's upbringing affects their future and it does, but it's not until you're really in it, quote unquote, as an adult where it affects not just what you do, but how you view things. Like mm -hmm. think about that. I mean, it's really specific. It's a fascinating concept to, you know, break, break some of that or keep some of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And obviously it's like training wheels, right? Sure. We all, I mean, it's just like technique training that we have as actors or as dancers or as singers, it's cool you, you know, you it. take, you take what works for you and you sure. keep going on. And, um, and you know, 
I think, you know, I know you pretty well and I, I yeah. know you've taken the good stuff from your path and, you know, yeah. I hope I'm taking the good stuff from my path and ultimately, we hopefully we leave the place a little bit better than it was when we showed up. Isn't that the, isn't that the case? Um, do you have mentors? And if so, oh. yeah, standout lessons. Oh God. Yeah. I, I, again, um, the generosity is something that keeps coming back in my life. I people have been very generous with me in terms of advice and advisorship and mentorship. Um, and because of my, I'm not, still not sure what I'm supposed to be when I grow up. Um, I I have uh, mentors that span the industry, and so. Um, uh, one of the first people, one of the first professional kind of New York people who took me under their wing was Doug Sills. He was a tremendous force in my post-adolescent young adult life as an actor. Um, he was really the, and I, it's so, so funny yet yeah, yeah, you're asking me this question because we just had a very long overdue lunch post-COVID um, mm. about, you know, catching up. It had been a long time since I'd seen him. And, um, and I had this conversation with him about, you know, he was really the first person who saw me, I think, and said, who made me feel like I, my presence mattered in New York, mm. that he, um, he was so good at instilling hope and inspiration in me and in other, and I'm not the only one. I know there's a handful of people that he's kind of taken under his wing mm. and, um, and he's the first person that kind of said to me, yeah, of course you can do this. Why wouldn't you be able to do this? Mm. You, you should be doing this, uh, which is invaluable to young people. Um, yeah. we, we, uh, I worked on a show called School of Rock for a number of years. And there was one moment that um, it's so silly because I'm sure um, it's not necessarily the pinnacle of artistic expression. But we did this mashup on Good Morning America where like Phantom came and Cats came. I remember we this. And we did this whole thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I uh, we, when we were putting it together, I, I was so proud of it because I remember being a kid at home at 12, 13, 14, running to the VCR to tape those things. And though those are the kind of kids that you want to reach out to, and I was that kid to Doug, you know, and and bridging that gap just feels really important. And so he was brilliant at doing that. Um, uh, and then the person who's responsible for the rest of my career, basically, um, and he would laugh to be uh, titled that, is um, a writer and a director called Dick Scanlon, who's the smartest man in show business, and. Um, we were serendipitously introduced through a friend and uh, we struck up a friendship and he has become someone who whenever I have insecurity about anything, I call and go, am I nuts? And he goes, no, you're not nuts. Or, you know, yeah, you are. And um, I was doing uh, a production of, I was doing Chicago on the road and um, I wasn't fulfilled with it and uh -huh. uh, it was at a time in my life where i should have been very happy and should have been very fulfilled and i came home on a layoff and i had lunch with dick and i said that and he was the one that said well it sounds like there's more in you than what this job will allow you to express it sounds like you need to be assisting someone um and that conversation led to another conversation to uh set me up with uh probably the mentor of my professional life, which is Joanne Hunter, our choreographer, mm. um, who I worked for for the better part of a decade as her associate. And um, she taught me everything I needed to know about class and um, respect 
and work ethic and pride and um, fostering young talent. And so I've been I've been foolishly blessed with an embarrassment of riches in terms of people to look up to in this business. Yeah. Was that decision, Chicago on the road and having this conversation with Dick, was this the decision to kind of trans, uh, not transfer, but kind of move into a different career path of the entertainment industry? And was that difficult? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, I think, um, I think we all do. And I think that I don't think, <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe it sounds shocking because it's, putting words on a feeling, but I think we all move to New York to be a star. Like, I think there's something within us as actors that you move to New York and you go, I can do this. I'm going to do this. I'm mm. going to make it. Mm. And, um, and I went to school in DC and I had a tremendous experience in DC. I worked a lot. It was a very exciting time, um, in, in the district. And there was a lot of great theater going on and I had some incredible opportunities. But, um, uh, when I moved to New York, it's a little harder here than it is in, in another town. And it's so different. I, it's different. <laughs> and so I, um, I was pounding the pavement. I was waiting on, I was crashing the calls. I was doing all the things. And, um, and I started getting, um, I had always danced, but I studied music in college and, and acting. And so I, I found I could get in front of a creative team if I went to the dance call. Susan Stroman showed up at the dance call, but she didn't always show up at the EPA. So yeah. I started going to the dance calls, and that's what the business began seeing me as. And so yeah. I started to feel... Um, I started to feel this is and this is a window into my psychology and and, and my my therapist I'm sure is laughing and where I felt completely out of control of my destiny and completely out of control of my path mm. it was all upon the whim of what other people saw um, the work that I could participate in was not work that I was able to necessarily um, uh, be the genesis of, or, mm -hmm. uh, I, I was, I was a, a piece of the puzzle, but it wasn't my puzzle. Mm. And so that's really where I think the, the assistant thing started for me and the, mm. which led to an associate thing. And is now where, you know, I'm sitting in this chair now trying to, trying to do my own work. Mm. And, um, and that's really, I think what gets me out of bed in the morning is going, I, I, I have a stronger voice in the stories that I feel are important and the stories that I want to tell, mm. um, whether or not they become wicked is, ir is irrelevant. It's, mm. uh, it's what we put into the universe is in a large or a small part, the legacy we leave when we go. And mm. so that feels important to me to be able to control my narrative in a small way. Mm. I have so much to say, yet I'm speechless. <laughs> it's really like that. That's that's a what we would call a nugget. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. I mean, I think I, I think I've, I think I've like rendered speechless because it, that's I. I feel seen. <laughs> of course. Because yeah, we've talked is, about this privately, not on the have, podcast. But we've I'm so glad we're this. capturing this right now because you're absolutely right. I mean, it's taking that if you want to. I mean, you know, either you can take life somewhere or life will take you somewhere. Life will happen absolutely. whether you participate or not. <laughs> absolutely. So it's up to you, if you want it to be up to you, to choose how that outcome could potentially. I mean, of course, there's a lot of, you know, chance and destiny and all those other things. 
but you can dictate <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah. And look, look, I've been around a while now, right? And I um I look now in and, and part of part of this is the human experience, but I look now at the years that I was acting and I did okay. I mean I did pretty well. I did all right. Mm-hmm. Um but I look at those years now and I go, man, if I had just had this feeling at twenty two, think of what work I could have breathed life into over the but you know the 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 um, the logical side of my brain goes oh my god but look what you learned in those years and the and i learned how to communicate i learned how to teach i learned how to listen i learned how there's so much i learned about what i wanted to be and what i didn't want to be in those years that if i was brazenly striding into new york trying to create things i would have missed all of those lessons yeah yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Cause it's you can't. It's the what ifs, right? You can't. You really can't live like that. Cause it, the outcome probably wouldn't be the same if you didn't have all the previous experience. So that's. Is there a particular job or project that has taught you a significant amount about yourself, or the most? Um, yeah, you know what? I think. Um, I. Uh, <laughs> I. How do you how do you say this without um, <laughs> without either making things seem silly or enraging people. I I had a handful of projects in my late 20s and early 30s that never made it to New York, that they were things that happened out of town that never made it in. Okay. And um, I learned, I, I didn't need to go to grad school, I just needed to work on those musicals, because you learn how, how, what works, what doesn't, what... But um, uh, yeah. uh, and a few of them actually, very thrillingly enough, are starting to come in. And one, the one that I, that rings in my brain is I did um, one of the harmonies. I did harmony in. I did two of the harmonies. I did a harmony in Atlanta and I did a harmony in L.A. And I was assisting Joanne, who's choreographing. Hmm. And um, the show is about six guys, six protagonists, and. Um, uh, the the score is ridiculous. It's just it just closed off Broadway. Uh, they finally brought it in, thank God, and uh, they've been trying for years. And yeah. um, it I ended up covering two of the guys and taking over one of them in L.A. So I I was I was for for all for all intents and purposes I was starring in the show. I was the assistant choreographer. I was the dance captain. I had to replace two people while I was preparing myself. And I remember sitting in my apartment in L.A. surrounded by yellow pads and paper. And I was like you asked for this. This is exactly what you wanted. This is exactly <laughs> what you asked for. You're having all of the cake and you're eating all of the cake. And, um, <laughs> and what I learned was that we really can do anything. Like, I mean, it, you know, it's, uh, you really just have to stay one day ahead of yourself in terms of organization. Yeah. But, um, and the company was just astounding and wonderful and supportive and incredible. So it was easy. The job was easy because of that. But mm. um, I, I, I learned so much about the kind of building that I wanted to run and maintain. Mm. Um, because once the creative team left, it was me and stage management and the music team. And the, the, the discipline and the tone and the the message of the piece were essential and it was resting on my feeble shoulders to make sure that so much of that occurred Mm. and the stress was a lot um but 
I, I learned how to be the type of leader I wanted to be on that job. And what, what type, I'm just curious without making you expand too much further, what type of leader is that or was that? Well, what's funny, one of the, um, I think people, <laughs> um, it's so, these conversations are so strange because you feel like you're going to pull a muscle patting yourself on the back. Um, but <laughs> I, I just had a, I had a session with some dancers in a studio about two weeks ago and I was working with a dancer I didn't know. And it's fascinating to me to work with people you don't know because especially in a situation where it's like it's not an audition and not everybody's trying to do their best they're just they're they're here to help me try something out right yeah yeah and you see the fear in their eyes when they walk in the room because of all of the trauma that we carry with us from this this crazy business sure. and um and she said to me at the end of it she goes, I can't tell you how much I needed this. I needed a room where everything felt like it was fun again. Mm. And um, and one of my associates also paid me a high compliment once where he said you I, that I walk the line between um, obligation and enjoyment. And there's always there's always this sense of moving forward and the work needs to get done. But if we're not really being honest with ourselves that we're just putting on a play like we used to do in fourth grade just with more sequins and uh, you know a couple more tap shoes or something sure um sure. then you know what's the point and so that that's it is that um i you know i my my, my hope in life is to create work that cultivates communication and understanding and if that does not initiate with the company in a room alone then, then I will fail. I will fail. I will instantly fail. I'm, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. This is a common theme of top performers who show up extremely, extremely prepared, yet appear to be playing when they're working. So don't you can't get it twisted because they're not playing. They appear to be playing, but they're in fact working, and the whole thing seems effortless because they've spent hours at home alone nailing it yeah. which is like i don't think most people realize that that yeah which is what you yeah. just said yeah and and again i've i had great teachers and i had great mentors and i saw them work this way i saw people uh come in hyper prepared and we've all been in rooms where maybe people weren't prepared and we know what that feels like and mm. you don't and i hated what that felt like i hated what that felt like when i didn't have have the answers and right. um you know, as I age, I, I come to realize I'm not supposed to have all of the answers. Right. And so, you know, you have to cut yourself a little bit of grace. But um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's it's um, your your job at the end of the day is to make a decision. That's your job. Is, is yeah. that good? Is it right? Does it facilitate the story or not? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then you've got to have a plan B or a, even a plan C somewhere in your back pocket just to try things out so you're not wasting artists' time. Yes, it's that. How have you gotten, how have you gotten better at communicating? Um, my uh, my uh, the greatest lesson in communication was uh, on 
a show called School of Rock, mm. which uh, I have zero training in early ha- childhood education. And the company was uh, made up, I think there were 19 children between the ages of nine and 12. And once we opened, the creative team left and I had to maintain the building and I set the companies all over the world. Yeah. And so kids would be playing soccer the week before they auditioned for me and then we'd hire them. They'd come to me and the team and in four weeks they'd leave with a BFA. So like, you know, and then they'd go to star on Broadway. So I had to get real good, real fast at learning how to teach quickly. But um, what uh, what is it? Einstein said that if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, the fish will think it's an idiot. And that's really the, the, the thesis of what I learned at School of Rock is you have to learn how people learn. And in that way, communication is essential because if I can even speak with you, particularly with dance, right? Mm-hmm. If I can see how you pick up movement, some people are visual, some people are kinesthetic, they have to move to do it. Mm-hmm. Some people, um, crazy tap dance people, you can actually just talk at them and they know what you're, they can just do, they can hear it and do it. So, but when I know what your mode of learning is, I can teach you anything. I can teach you anything. But um, so few people and so few opportunities allow for that kind of time to have those conversations so that I can absorb your process. And, And when you can do that with, you know, whatever it was, we did 118 nine-year-olds over the course of three years or whatever it was uh, in New York alone. Um, inevitably, that translates to an adult, you know, pretty quickly. So now that I've, I've those nine-year-olds taught me everything I need to know about interpersonal communication. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. know it's so it's so tied together with listening. Yeah. You know, listening to how someone, you know, consumes a piece of information as to, you know, teach and then communicate. Um, how have you gotten better at, and I feel like these things are all very much connected. How have you gotten better at asking questions? Mm. I used to be terrified of asking questions um, because it meant that you, uh, again, like the Einstein adage, it meant like, you know, it, to me, um, it meant that you didn't know the answer or it meant that you didn't understand the process or that you were slower than everybody else. Like we, uh, I talk about a lot with actors about that feeling when you were in elementary school and you had, you were like you were learning to read or you had like a everyone with the class was reading the same book and everyone's got the book open and everyone's on page 35 and everyone had to read four sentences out loud. And inevitably, you weren't following along. You were looking ahead to go, okay, what are the words? Do I know all of those words? I don't want to look like an idiot. And um, and it's those funny things in our from our childhood that really poison the well yeah. in terms of how we express ourselves later. And so um, I really was terrified of asking questions. And um, where I I I got really good as a swing and as a dance captain and as an assistant observing things. Hmm. Um, and, and so I think I learned about asking questions by watching people ask questions Hmm. because, um, it really, like, as I was saying, when you, when I think I'm teaching you 
along the lines of the way that you learn and you still have a question for me, I know that I failed somewhere mm. along the line in a small way to go, oh, well, I wasn't thorough enough or I breezed over this or I didn't pose this in a way that you understood. So all of that to say that when I've, I've become blissfully embracing of the idea of questions are wonderful and you know we we should be questioning things more we should be um you know uh whether they're technical questions or emotional questions or spiritual questions um it's really at the root of everything we do um and i think i i wish that there was a way for us to be better at it and more accepting about it Hmm. from a younger age yeah, that definitely begins with education. <laughs> but breaking once you can break that, once you can break that mold, I guess it's it's freeing because you. It's also it's also a dancer disease because you know we're yes, we're is. taught we're taught to. Um, uh, I'm working with this young dancer now who is um, in recovery <laughs> from her um, her uh, her dancer process, and we're we're really. You know, she's she's tapping into her inner actor rather than you know living all her life as a dancer, huh. and and it's traumatic because you're taught to if you if you don't pick up quickly or if you don't know it or if you don't have the answer, you're the one at fault. You did something wrong, and um, and it's so crazy to see that because we're you know especially people who have made it this far in show business who have like. We sacrifice the birthdays. We sacrifice the weddings. We mm. sacrifice so much to be here. Um, that 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 trauma still exists, or that that, that is still perpetuated. I think is like, is the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.